Ladies and gentlemen, you are tuned into another episode of the Paul Leslie Hour. And now your host, Paul Leslie. Hey, it's me. Thank you, as always, for being here listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. I am honored that you're here, and I'm honored to be here as your host. Some of you heard Volume 2 of the series within the Paul Leslie Hour called It's Still Billy Joel to Me that I co-review with Jason Birch. Volume 2 is out now. We did a review of Billy Joel's second album, Piano Man. In that interview, I mentioned Michael Cavanaugh, who does a fantastic concert interpreting Billy Joel. He also does a concert interpreting Elton John. He does other songs as well. He's also a songwriter himself. But I did this interview a couple years back, a few years back, to talk about the concerts that he does. It was a great interview. It aired on the radio in Charleston, South Carolina, on FM radio. Doing the review with Jason, it made me remember Michael Cavanaugh. And so I thought, let's pull this out. Let's give people a chance to hear this on the podcast format. To support the Paul Leslie Hour, you're invited to go to thepaulleslie.com. There's a link, and you can quickly and easily make a contribution of any amount via PayPal. Let me know what you think of the Michael Kavanaugh interview. I hope you like it. Ladies and gentlemen, the man we're talking to is Michael Kavanaugh, vocalist, pianist, actor, and artist. He's going to be performing here in Atlanta Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Sunday is a matinee show. Thank you so much for making the time to talk to us. You got it. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. Now, tell us, you bring the music of some of the most successful songwriters and entertainers to the people. How did you find this particular avenue in music? Well, you know, I started playing the piano when I was seven. Uh, That's when my mom bought the piano. I pretty much attacked it from day one, you know. And so my dad turned me on to Billy Joel first, and... I was a big fan, and then I then I became a big Elton John fan pretty soon after that. I grew up in Ohio, and I started playing in bands at a very, very young age. When I was 12, I was playing in nightclubs. By the time I was a teenager, I was playing in nightclubs, you know, four or five nights a week. So I was performing all the time, full-time, really. And then when I turned 22... Uh, I became a piano bar guy, a dueling piano bar guy, which I, I don't know if, you're, if you've ever been to a dueling piano bar before. They, I'm sure they have one in Atlanta. We do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So so I did that gig for about eight years. Obviously, tons of Billy Joel and Elton John on, on, on those. And I did that in Florida. I lived in Orlando for a while. Then I, then I went out to Vegas. And when I was in Vegas, I became friends with Billy Joel's tour manager, And he surprised me one night and brought Billy Joel to hear me in a piano bar, which, you know, I sound calm about it now, but I wasn't calm then, that's for sure. And I played for Billy, and it's funny because the first song I played for him was an Elton song. I I didn't want to touch his music in front of him, so I I think I opened the set with Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting, which we'll be doing this weekend. But he was great. He, He wound up getting on the piano across from me, and we were jamming together the first night I ever met him. And that led to me getting the role in moving out on Broadway, getting uh, the role of the piano man, singing all the songs, 
kind of being the, the captain of that ship. And uh, I did that for three and a half years, and that was that was an amazing experience. And then after after that show ended, they wanted me to go on the road with it, and uh, chose not to do that. That's you know that's Broadway on the road is it's a little tough when you have a, a family. You know, I have a wife and kids, and you know you you perform six days a week, and on the seventh day you're on a bus. You know, it's pretty rough. So I came back to Vegas. I moved back here put my own band together and we started performing with symphonies and it started with the Indianapolis symphony back in 2008. And the first show we did was the music of Billy Joel and Moore. And, uh, we've done that show, um, probably with 80 different orchestras across the country, everyone from the Boston pops to Los Angeles and, you know, just everywhere in between. And, uh, a couple of years after that, 2010, you know, we wanted to launch another show and I, you know, they're asking me what, show I would like to do next. And I said, it's a no brainer. <laughs> you know, we should definitely do the music of Elton next. I said, it's just, it's perfect. I said, you know, most Billy Joel fans are, are also Elton John fans and vice versa. They toured together. The two of my biggest musical heroes. So it just made sense. So we put that show together and we've done that show with a lot of symphonies as well. I mean, Probably not quite as many as the Billy Show yet, but but close. I mean, we've done that show with the Boston Pops. We've done it with the National Symphony in D.C. at Kennedy Center. We've done it on the West Coast. We've done it all over the place, you know. And I actually have a couple other shows, too, but, you know, we'll, we'll get to those later. But um, we've been having a blast. I mean, to play this music, you know, with a, with a full symphony is, it's incredible. You know, it's uh, what's really cool, is, you know, on a song like, one of Elton John's classic songs that a lot of the diehard knows. It's actually two songs put together. It's called Funeral for a Friend, Flash Love Lies Bleeding. And Funeral for a Friend is, it's this very classical sounding piece, but it's all done with synthesizers. It was, it was in the 70s. All synthesizers. And, you know, so much of my life, before I played with orchestras, I was taking orchestral parts and playing them with synthesizers. And that gets old. And, you know, it's pretty cool to do the opposite of that. Now we're taking what was a bunch of synthesizers and having an orchestra play it. <laughs> so it's, it's really cool. It's really cool. We do the same thing on, on, on some, of the, some of the Billy Joel songs, which I know is a different show. But, like, you know, we do the song Pressure by Billy Joel, which is, you know, it sounds like Beethoven on a synthesizer. But when you hear the orchestra play it, it really sounds like Beethoven. It's really cool. So how do you decide on which city you do the Elton show and which city you do the Billy Joel show? Well, that makes it easy because the orchestra tells us which one they want. Ah, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Most cities have us do the Billy Joel show first just because of my connection directly with Billy and the fact that I know Billy. I mean, I've met Elton, but I know Billy. They had me do that first, and Atlanta wanted to do the Elton show first. I think, you know, Elton, I think, has a house in Atlanta, right? So, I mean... He's really big in Atlanta, and I think Billy is either going to be there soon or, or was there recently. So they decided to go to Belton first, which is great. I mean, actually, we did a show with the Philadelphia Orchestra. It was actually in upstate New York. It was a, a summer home they have there. And it was in New York, and they wanted to start with the Elton John show. And I was totally surprised, but the people weren't crazy for it. That's great. It really doesn't matter to me. I love both of them, and I think it's great that one week I do one and one week I do the other. It keeps everything fresh, and uh, it's it's great. We're talking with Michael Cavanaugh. I was hoping you could tell us when you met Billy Joel. What did you find him to be like on a personal level? I found him to be like a normal person. 
that's when it occurred to me that for the most part, most people are people and, you know, they have, they have spotlights shining on them 24 hours a day. So if they make a mistake, everyone knows if they say something that's probably no worse than anything that we've ever said, everybody knows about it. And, but when, when I sat down with Billy, after I got over the nervousness uh, and just was able to talk to him, not just like he was my musical hero, but like a human being, like just like a friend, He's he's like everybody else, you know. He's a he was a really nice guy, and he loves music, and he loves to talk about music, and uh, he loves music way more than he loves the bright lights. He loves music. He loves to sit at the piano. He doesn't care who's around, and when he's by himself, and uh, he he doesn't look at the piano as a chore like a lot of guys do after they play forever. He loves to play the piano. So, if you're lucky enough to figure out what hotel he might be in. Uh, after one of his concerts, you may see him in the piano bar playing the piano. I mean, when I met him the first time, he was playing at MGM, but he was staying at the Four Seasons. And I didn't know he was gonna, what he was doing after, but I was told to go to the steakhouse at the Four Seasons. And there was a piano in there, and there were probably 15 to 20 customers still there. It was towards the end of the night. And those were uh, 15 to 20 lucky customers because they closed the doors and they said, you can stay if you want, but no one else is coming in. And Billy started playing. And I got on the piano with him and we were playing and singing together. It was cool. <laughs> you know, he's a normal guy who loves music, you know, but he gets put on that stage and, you know, he becomes something else. But when he's off stage, he's, he's a normal guy. Very cool. Yeah. Elton John has told Rolling Stone that he considers Atlanta his primary home. So I wanted to know, you mentioned that you met Elton John a little. Have you ever heard any reaction from him about the show? I have not. I have not. But, I mean, I've talked with Billy a lot about both, about both of these shows. Uh, I know that, you know, he's, he's aware of it. And as far as I know, everyone is fine. I certainly haven't gotten any backlash, that's for sure. And, and we're, we're doing his music justice. If his attitude is anything like Billy's, Billy loves when people, especially when quality musicians are out there spreading his music around. That's like his favorite thing. So when I met Elton, it was before we started doing this show. I'll tell you, one night we were playing with the San Diego Symphony. And <laughs> this show was booked, you know, a year, maybe a year and a half in advance. The same night Elton John was playing in town. How crazy is that, right? And luckily... He has so many fans. We both had packed houses, <laughs> so it all worked out. Actually, I played outside, uh, so it wasn't a packed house, but it was 5,000 people outside, and, uh, you know, we played the arena, and everything was great, you know. It was, uh, it was great. Now, now, the show, you know, it's actually called The Music of Elton John and More, and some of the ads have said that, and some of them haven't. Now, it is definitely... The majority of it is Elton John, but, but we do go outside a little bit. You know, we do, I won't give everything away, but like we do Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney. We do a couple other things that are related, you know, but uh, we, we put a little variety in there, but it's definitely primarily a music of Elton John show. And you also write songs? Sure do. My last album only had a few originals on there and, and a lot of covers. We kind of did that as an experiment. I'd never put out an album with covers before, and we had a lot of fun. And uh, I'm actually very close to releasing a new album here in the next few months, uh, which will be all original. And uh, I love writing songs. And so 
something I'm passionate about. And, you know, I would even enjoy uh, pitching songs to other artists. I actually did a gig a few weeks ago with David Foster, uh, which was, it was a dueling piano gig. It's fun. I don't do dueling pianos anymore, but I got a call four days before from an agent who I, uh, well, my manager called me and he had this agent on the phone who I work with all the time in LA. And he said, you know, we're considering a dueling pianos gig. And I'm immediately like, okay. And he's like, but you, it'll be with David Foster. And I just started laughing. I'm like, uh, yeah, I want to do that. <laughs> and uh, that went really well, really well. And uh, we hung out quite a bit and he drove me back to my hotel and, and, uh, and it's his right-hand man that we need all your information. We need everything to do right. And I said, yes. And I sent them my first two. I sent them two songs. I have way more. I have tons of songs, but I, I don't want to bombard them. And they love the first two. I don't know where it's going to lead. I have no idea if it'll lead anything. But uh, they absolutely loved them. So that made me feel good. But I perform with symphonies. And I will, I will do one original song this week. I always sneak one in there. <laughs> it's cool because I wait until the moment of the show where They've already gotten to know me, and so far with every show, the crowd likes me by that point. And I say, hey, you mind if I play one of my songs? And everybody's like, yeah, you know, and I do one, and then it's back to the regularly scheduled program. It's a real hoot for me to do that, you know, to play uh, one of my songs with these amazing orchestras. So I'm looking forward to that for sure. What songwriters would you say have had the greatest influence on your own work? Uh, I would say Billy. I would say Elton. I would say Paul McCartney. And maybe... uh, Don Henley and Glenn Fry. I'd say those those guys are probably the top. You know, I was reading also about the show that you do, and you kind of referenced it a little earlier, about the music of Paul Simon, Neil Diamond, and James Taylor. Yeah, we're officially calling that now the music of the great singer-songwriters because, you know, there's already three names there, and, and we actually do a few others as well, but those are the primary artists we do, yeah. And I'm huge fans of those, for sure. Just hearing that, I've been wondering about this the past couple of days. Those are great, huge names in music. But who would you say are the underrated, the lesser known that you think are up there? Huh. Well, a lot of them I know personally. I mean, to me, some of the best lyric writing these days is coming out of Nashville. As far as, you know, in country, you know, a lot of today's country sounds like, sounds like rock and roll of 20 years ago. Some of those Nashville writers, and, and a lot of them are staff writers, are incredible. But as far as, if, you're, if you want me to say, you know, looking back, I would say Fleetwood Mac. I mean, like Stevie Nicks. I mean, the first song she wrote for Fleetwood Mac was Landslide. That's like the, they said, bring us something, and that's the first thing she brought. You know, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> you know, I don't know how many people think of her as a writer, but obviously, you know, I mean, the, the songs, the songs are always the most important thing. You know, what I, what I tell, and it, it took me a while to learn this, but I tell young musicians, the song is the most important thing. I mean, yes, who sings it is important, but if you hear an amazing song by an amazing writer and he's not that great of a singer, you don't care because it's still an amazing song. I mean, no one's going to say Bob Dylan's an amazing singer. No one's going to say Bruce Springsteen's an amazing singer. We, we know how great their songs are. But if you hear an amazing singer singing a song that's just awful, who cares, right? Who cares? It's all about the song. I mean, I think when you, when you have people like Elton, people like Billy and Paul Simon and James Taylor and Neil Diamond and the Eagles and the Beatles that do everything, they sing it great, they perform it, you know, they write it. Queen acts like that are just mind-blowing, like mind-blowing. 
I tell you who are some great writers. I think are uh, Zach Brown Band, and I know that's another that's another country thing. But they're they're Georgia guys. They're amazing writers. You know, here's a writer that I think people don't talk about enough: Bob Seger. Bob Seger. Incredible writing, incredible lyrics. I mean, people think of they think of old time rock and roll, which is great, and they think of you know they think of they like the lyrics to Hollywood Nights and the lyrics to you know still the same. I mean, incredible. So yeah, there there's your underrated. By, by in, my, in my opinion, by a lot of people, as far as a writer goes, and, you know, if you see the history of the Eagles, that documentary that's amazing, by the way, if you haven't seen it, talks about how you know how they were kind of mentored by uh, by Bob Seger in the beginning. Very interesting. I was on your website, michaelcavanaugh.com, and that's C A V A N A U G H. I was looking at all the tour dates you're playing all over the place there, and. Mm-hmm. Tell the listeners out there, what is it like from your perspective when you go to a town or a city like Atlanta and you look out and you see the audience and you see all these musicians that are playing in the orchestra? What is that experience like from your seat? Uh, from my seat, it's what I love about it. It's between the orchestra behind me and the audience in front of me. I kind of feel like I'm in the middle of, I'm surrounded by... Uh, Everything I love about music, you know, I, I'm surrounded by the best musicianship there is, and I'm surrounded by an audience of people that are just being taken over by these amazing songs, you know, and I feel like I get to be in the center of all of it because, you know, the reaction of the crowd is just as important to me as the music on stage, you know, and uh, so I get sandwiched in between all of it, and it makes me very happy. So I would have to say that's... <laughs> That's what it's like to be me. What is the best thing about being Michael Cavanaugh? Best thing about being Michael Cavanaugh is my wife and kids, for sure. I've been married going on uh, this June. Next month will be 23 years. You know, my wife holds everything together when I'm on the road. And my kids are the most, you know, amazing kids in the world. Of course, we all say that, right? But... uh, you know, it's uh, it's the best. I mean, I you know, I get to go do what I do on on the road and step into the spotlight. You know, have people applaud me for what I do all the time, and then I get to come home to an awesome family. So that's uh, that's about it, right there. My last question: People know you as an entertainer and as an artist. Who would you say you are at heart? How would you define Michael Cavanaugh? Well, you know. Uh, First thing I am is I'm a Christian. I don't take a, a Bible and, and hit people over the head with it. If they want to talk to me about it, I'd be happy to. But um, I'm a Christian. I'm a dad. I'm a husband. I am absolutely, uh, to say I love music would probably be quite an understatement. I'm, I'm uh, you know, it's what I eat, breathe, sleep, you know, and I am, I tell people I'm the luckiest guy I know, <laughs> you know, because. I do what I love. I get to do these amazing shows like I'm doing this weekend with the Atlanta Symphony, right? Where I get to step on some of the best stages in the world. But yet, it's not like I'm so famous that I have to worry about going to 7-Eleven. Like, I feel like I found a sweet spot or something because I have so many friends that are so famous. And, you know, I feel like I, I really wound up where, uh, where I was supposed to be. And I'm, I'm a happy guy. 
Well, Mr. Kavanaugh, thank you so much for sharing with us. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah, it was fun. I appreciate it. All right. Well, I'll be seeing you on Sunday. I'm looking forward. Yeah. Make sure you say hello. I will. All right, man. Godspeed. (laughs) Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks, buddy. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening to the Paul Leslie Hour. Hosted, written, and produced by Paul Leslie. Intro theme song, Alexander's Ragtime Band, written by Irving Berlin, performed by Dan Barrett. Outro scatting G-Things, improvised, performed, and produced by John Goodwin. Until next time. Goodbye.